0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture.
1: Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello everyone, welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day, and we hope you are safe and well. Here's what we'll be talking about on today's program. We're a step closer to a new waters of the U.S. rule. We'll get an update from Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. We'll look at the economic toll being taken on agriculture by COVID-19 and the financial plight of uh, many farmers and ranchers. We're going to talk with the president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. And one of the events still on schedule for later this year is the Farm Progress Show. It'll be September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa. We'll talk with National Shows Director for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman, they got the very latest on their plans during this year where so many things are being canceled. Plans still underway to have Farm Progress show in September. Also, Husker Harvest Days. We'll get updates on both of those events a little bit later on in the program. Glad you're with us and glad to have with us Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, how are you?
0: I guess I'm the same, still in my house in Washington, writing away, receiving emails from all kinds of ag groups, uh, doing interviews by telephone, and uh, occasionally participating in uh, webinars that
1: people are putting on. Yep, uh, it's a different so, way of doing uh, things, for sure.
0: I'm, yes, um, I'm just trying to come to terms with the package that the Trump administration announced last Friday. Uh, what it does, what, uh, what it doesn't do, uh, but I did a column today in the National Journal in which I said, I just don't see how we're going to be able to avoid a, bu- a bloodbath in agriculture with all these uh, problems that seem so hard to solve.
1: Yeah, I've described, uh, you know, $19 billion is a lot of money, but it's, I said it's like uh trying to put out a five-alarm fire with a garden hose. I mean, it's just its just not enough to cover all the needs that are out there. And I also find it interesting, uh, we've heard from several ag groups now about uh, their concern over the payment restrictions and limits that are in that package and saying that's going to keep it from really helping a lot of people that could be helped otherwise. Usually when something like this comes out, we're hearing people say, uh, concerned that we... You know, we need tighter payment limits. Now what we're hearing is we need to uh, ease off those restrictions.
0: Well, I think the reason you're hearing that is that this time there really are payment limits, $250,000 per entity, which for some of the big operations is not uh, uh, is not so much money. The real problems appear to be in livestock and in high-value-added uh, uh, produce, uh, uh, things like berries. Uh and but the problem is that if they had not imposed the payment limits there just wouldn't have been enough money to go around and think of the public relations of a few farms got huge huge payments and there wasn't any money for anybody else uh so the administration was really in a difficult position here
1: no doubt and they're also dealing with trying to keep uh meat inspectors trained and able to and healthy and uh, working to keep, uh, keep our food safe and keeping these workers safe in these plants, these are huge challenges we have right now.
0: Well, yes, to me, the biggest one is how the meat plants are going to operate. Are they going to have to space people out? How will that be? What will that do for the cost of production and the number of animals that can go through a meat plant in a day? These are, these are not issues just for the next few weeks. These are perhaps permanent uh, changes to, uh, to the food production system. I was so taken by the fact that Zippy Duvall, the, the head of the Farm Bureau, said that he hadn't really thought too much about this. The system has operated so efficiently for so many years with these uh, farmers uh, raising these animals, particularly the hogs and chickens, and you know to the day when they're going to be ready to be slaughtered and you, you and you sell them maybe you're not happy with the price but at least you sell them and now we have a now we have a different situation
1: yeah we've been i think that's one of the things we've really learned that our food supply chain and system is very efficient, but it's not very flexible. It's geared to perform a certain way at certain times, and when something like this comes along that throws everything off schedule, it's hard for the system to adapt.
0: That's right. And people have noticed that in some ways this has been good for local uh, local agriculture because the smaller meat plants have not had the same problems, Uh, People have come to appreciate that. But, of course, the number of people who actually get their food from the smaller plants is small. And in a lot of cases, uh, those are premium-priced products. Uh, We have had a very efficient uh, system to develop a cheap food supply. We've gotten used to it. And now I think there are questions about whether that will be able to continue in the ways that we have known it.
1: Even before the 19 billion is distributed and put to use, there are already people looking for the next round of assistance and saying we need help.
0: Uh, That's right. Um, uh, That's right. And for the most part, they're saying give us uh, give us more of the same. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is starting to get worried about the amount of debt that the government is getting into and so i wonder how this next package will go also president trump wants to deal with the um, uh, with the infrastructure issue uh, which would be good for agriculture Uh, uh, president trump notes that interest rates are zero or almost zero so we could we could borrow money even from foreigners to to uh, do all this work Uh, but we'll see whether the Republicans and the Democrats could come to an agreement on infrastructure. They haven't been able to in the past.
1: The ag labor issue is uh, also a big part of this, and while the government takes steps to close down uh, immigration, uh, people coming into this country, there will be an exemption, it looks like, for ag workers. workers.
0: Yes, that's right. Uh, According to the White House, the H-2A and apparently also the H-2B workers uh who work for landscapers and and people like that will still be able to uh will still be able to come in. I think the whole situation highlights the incredible dependence on American agriculture on immigrant workers, both in the in the meatpacking plants where there are a lot of refugees who work, in the fields, and we'd have to add to this the people who work in the restaurants. We really are dependent on this relatively cheap labor. And uh, uh, I do find it distasteful that I find that in some of these rural communities, there are people blaming the immigrants for the fact that, uh, uh, you know, coronavirus is being spread. But it isn't their fault that they're working so to, so close together in these plants. That's uh, the way that the system has been set up.
1: Yep. We're going to talk more about the ag labor situation coming up on tomorrow's program. Jerry, thank you for being with us today. Stay safe and we'll stay in touch with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Great. I uh, hope, hope you and your listeners have a good week.
1: Thank you very much. Up next, we're a step closer to getting that new Waters of the U.S. rule. We're going to get an update. That's something we haven't talked too much about lately. want to get up to date on that. Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us as we take a closer look at Waters of the U.S. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture.
2: Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech
1: Fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse. Information America's farmers and
0: ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture now back to mike
1: adams well as covid19 dominates the news and our focus we want to remember there are other things going on as well we need to keep an eye on including the new waters of the u.s rule and with an update here's don Parrish, senior director regulatory relations for the american farm bureau federation don good to talk with you again what's the latest i think we've taken another step haven't we
3: we have taken another step. Uh, the administrator of EPA and the Assistant Secretary of the Army signed this regulation back in January, but it is just now being published in the Federal Register, and what that means, it becomes effective now in 60 days, which is good news for agriculture.
1: It shows again there's a process here, and it's not always the speediest process in the world, but uh, things are moving forward. Um, What happens now that it gets published? Is this where we see the challenges to it really happen?
3: Well, in 60 days, if, in fact, there is challenges, uh, it will occur in 60 days. It will occur in district courts around the country if, in fact, there are challenges, and we all kind of expect that. And uh, ultimately, it will probably make its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, The whole issue of what Congress intended when they used the term navigable in the Clean Water Act I think it's something that that will have to be resolved either by Congress or by the Supreme Court. And so far, Congress has chosen not to try to to, to try to deal with that in a way that the public supports.
1: All right. L- refresh our memories. What is in this new rule that you see as an improvement over the controversial old rule?
3: Uh, Mike, that's a great question. And first, let's start with what this rule doesn't do. It doesn't change any of the standards or any of the permits that are required by the Clean Water Act. All of those are still in place. It doesn't change any, any regulation or any requirement in the Safe Drinking Water Act. So for the public to understand, this rule is very protective of water quality. What it does, though, is clarify where on the landscape the federal government regulates and where on the landscape states start regulating. That is critically important. Uh, there's four categories. We can talk about those four categories of waters that the federal government regulates, but, it, but they've tried to make this rule as clear as possible so that the public understands.
1: So we talked about there will be challenges. On what grounds will those challenges be made?
3: Well, clearly they're going to come at this rule uh, from the standpoint is, is, is it's not protective enough. They're going to try to say that that any wet spot on the landscape, any ditch that may carry water within, you know, when it rains, should be regulated by the federal government. We know that Congress did not include, in, did not intend to regulate those areas when they used the term navigable. Uh, they, the challengers, want to try to write the term navigable out of the Clean Water Act. I think they're going to fail, but they're definitely going to try to try to achieve that with the courts.
1: Who are those challengers?
3: Well, you know, it could be a wide variety of people. Uh, It could be groups like the Natural Resources Defense Council. It could be groups like the Southern Environmental Law Center. It could be groups, um, you know, like the National Wildlife Federation. It could be any numbers of groups. Uh, We don't speak to them. We don't really speak to the intricacies of what's going on with that type of litigation. Um, but it could be challenged not only by those groups, but it could be challenged by people on the, on the right that says, you know, this rule is really It's not It's not protective enough of property rights. Uh, we could see challenges on both sides of this rule, and I think what that should signal to your listeners is that we think this administration got it right. We think they've, they've done the hard work to put a policy in place that is protective of water quality clean water, but they've also provided clear rules that people can obey and abide by, and we think that's
1: a good deal. That old theory that if you have opposing sides, if both of them are somewhat upset with what uh, the decision is, that means probably you're doing something right.
3: Uh, We think so.
1: We're talking with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, you mentioned it's either going to be addressed in the courts or by Congress. Hard to imagine Congress, with what's going on right now, uh, hard to imagine being able to rely on them to make any significant changes. Uh,
3: you know what? Congress has got their hands full. Uh, we've got a, a an economy here that is that is teetering. Uh, we've got an economy and a supply chain in agriculture that is on that that is is really in a tenuous situation. Uh, you know, I'm very proud to say that I work for an organization that represents farmers, and we're working our best to make sure that farmers are going to have the tools they need, the fertilizer, the seeds to put crops in the ground. We're going to try to make sure that they have what it takes to get product from their farm to processors, and we hope uh, and, and work and pray that these processors are going to be able to operate and we get food to consumers. You know, our supply chain has changed completely. We used to consume a significant amount of our food away from home at a restaurant, Obviously, your readers know, your listeners know that we're we're consuming most of our food at home now. I'm not sure when that's going to change. Uh, hopefully, we get back to a normal, whatever that is, very soon. But uh, you know, the good news is farmers are still farming, and we're going to do what it takes to get product to our consumers.
1: All right. For the time being, for landowners needing to make decisions on their land, what rules are they to? F- play by here i mean it's confusing and differing different different in different parts of the country uh you have all these court rulings and and legal actions and so what do they do how, how do you keep this straight well
3: you know i think the main thing is if there's any question we're going to have to ask uh we're going to have to ask the court uh, to make a determination but i think overall anything that only has water in it when it rains is, is out and we know that on its face, ephemerals are not jurisdictional. And that, for the most part, takes those that regulation out of the middle of farm fields, and it definitely provides the clarity that we think farmers need to, need to farm. Uh, we also know that not only are ephemerals out, but prior converted croplands are out. Those are really, really big, important clarifications that this administration has made. I think farmers are in a really good spot. Uh, once you get beyond that, once you get into things that actually have water in them most of the year, uh, then we're going to have to be very concerned about operating in and around those features. And we all want to be protective of water quality, and I think that's a good thing. But again, I think the whole issue of having ephemerals out of federal jurisdiction is provides the kind of clarity that most farmers are going to be able to understand.
1: Don, if indeed this will ultimately be decided at the Supreme Court level, as you and many others have uh, predicted will be the case, then it won't be happening anytime soon. I mean, that final decision is going to be a ways down the line, right?
3: It is. And just like we're in the situation where we're in right now, where about 29 states are operating or were operating or will be operating until about 60 days under, under the rule that that was in place before the Obama rule and there were about 20 states operating, you know, with the Obama rule or the 2015 rule, uh, there's going to be some uncertainty still out there. And just rest assured that Farm Bureau, whether at the state or at the, the, the federal level here with the American Farm Bureau, we're going to do what we can to make sure that farmers are have the kind of information they need to operate and operate consistently within the law. That's what we want. We want for, to protect water quality, and and we're, we're looking forward to making sure this rule is implemented properly, and we're going to be looking at that in making sure that farmers understand how the agencies are implementing, and we're going to make sure they implement it right.
1: I remember you telling me three and a half years ago that this would be a long process, and while I believed you, I didn't think it would be this long of a process. Here we are still, I mean, we're, we're taking, seems like, baby steps forward, and it's just, it just looks like we still got a long ways to go on it. You
3: know what? The one thing that I can tell you, uh, Mike, is that throughout this entire process, we all appreciate and understand the need to protect water quality. Throughout this entire process, we know that, you know, people people say that making policy is like making sausage. You don't really want to see it. Uh, You and I have got to know one another very well through this process, and it clearly is like making sausage. We're going to get it right. We're going to get a recipe that I think farmers and ranchers are going to be supportive of. And it does take time. It just
1: takes time. Well, we appreciate your time to keep us up to date, Don. Thanks a lot. Stay well. Appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, and prayers go out to your listeners. We're we're doing what we can do to make sure that farmers are protected and that they have the tools they need to to grow the crops that this country needs.
1: Very good. Thanks, Don. Take care. Don Parrish, Senior Director for Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, the latest on the waters of the U.S. Well, then, next, we're going to take a look at the financial situation for agriculture. As COVID-19 hits hard, we're going to talk with the President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, next on AOA.
4: Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity with fast payback. An expanded application window makes life simple and it's the secure choice. With powerful
1: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We continue to look at the impact of COVID-19 on agriculture and the government response and how much that is helping and what may yet be coming down the line and what may be needed. Uh, let's talk now with uh, the president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, Todd Van Hoose. Todd, thank you for joining us. Hope you're well.
4: Good morning, Mike. All, all well here. Hope you are
1: too. Very good. Thank you. Um, first of all, we're, As we've often said now, we're in this new normal, uncharted waters. Uh, We're seeing growing negative impact on agriculture each and every day. Each ag sector seems to be reporting in with reports of huge losses and faced with dilemmas, more than uh, the government response so far is able to address completely. Uh, From your vantage point uh, in the farm credit side of things, what is your assessment of where we're at for agriculture right now?
4: things are really tough out there right
1: now, Mike. I mean,
4: you, you think about what this this COVID pandemic has caused, but, but you can't think about that in isolation because you have to add it to the multiple years of trade disruptions, low commodity prices, uh, frankly, horrendous weather events, uh, everything from flooding to hurricanes to drought to, to fire. I mean, it's just been an amazing series of of events that agriculture has had to endure. And now we're laying on top of that in this pandemic. And, and the pandemic has fundamentally disrupted the ag supply chain. And as a result of that, you know, you're seeing this paradox where uh, prices at the farm gate are terrible um, and prices in the grocery store are high. And, and so we've got to find some way to get producers all across the spectrum, frankly, producers through this period and here we can get this supply chain stitched back together and hopefully get some normal normalcy back in prices
1: you bring up a good point and i think it's often overlooked and underreported while whereas the general economy just a few short weeks ago was booming before this hit the ag economy was not and the ag economy has been down for some time so this is a uh, just a, a double whammy for the ag economy it's not like there was uh, you know this uh, storage of good times build up coming into it uh, this hit agriculture at a time when many sectors were already in a weakened position
4: you know that's exactly right and, and we've been we've been monitoring this closely for a number of years now and you know the thing we we think most noticeable, is the working capital situation for most farmers has just been deteriorating. And, and for people that don't understand, you know, finance and economics, uh, the simple way to say that is working capital is what farmers use as a buffer, right? They, they, they can use that as a buffer to get them through a bad season, to get them through a low price time, but we've sort of done that. And, and now we're hitting ag at a, at a very vulnerable time, um, you know, if you think back to the, the Great Recession coming out of 2008 and the financial crisis, it was, in a lot of ways, it was agriculture that, that buoyed the economy back then. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at, at hopefully a, a turnaround in the economy coming out of this pandemic. But, boy, ag's not in a position to really lead that turnaround this time. We're we're having a tough time out there.
1: We're talking to Todd Van Hoos, who is president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. Todd Give us your thoughts on the government response so far. I mean, writing checks for billions of dollars and still not able to cover the need that is out there. Uh, First, your thoughts on how helpful, especially what we've seen from USDA and some of the other government programs, and what do you think will be needed moving forward?
4: Well, we're we're grateful. I mean, we've never seen a response like this. You know, everything from... Federal Reserve taking early intervention in the financial markets to make sure we didn't have a, a problem there, to the Trump administration getting uh, assistance out, not only this latest assistance, but also these MFP payments that have been coming out, right? Congress moving at, at really unprecedented speed to pump billions of dollars. We're, we're pushing trillions of dollars uh, into the economy. So, so very grateful for, for all of that. Um, but the size of the hole that that has been created by this pandemic and the impact on producers is just overwhelming. And I think that despite the fact that we've literally seen billions of dollars pumped in, we're still short. And I I think people understand that. And and my expectation is we'll get through this. uh, the bill that's going to pass Congress later today president's going to sign it it's going to replenish those small business administration loan funds and and that will that'll last not a long time uh but my guess is when congress comes back in may they're going to be looking at and and my hope frankly is they're going to be looking at uh, another assistance package and especially one for agriculture
1: todd there are A lot of comparisons often made when agriculture is going through a tough time. We look back and compare what we're going through now with what happened during the farm crisis of the 80s. And usually we hear we we often hear, well, it's different now uh, um, because interest rates are low. (laughs) Now they're really low. And just everything's a lot different in many ways than it was then. But now we're going through something that we've not experienced before. Uh, Are you concerned that we could have a 1980s-type farm crisis developing here?
4: You know, you're, you're right. The, the first part of your statement there where things are different, that, that is absolutely true. Um, the staying power in agriculture is better. The, frankly, I, people all talk about these economic concepts that are different and financial concepts that are different. And, and I, I, I said, look, farmers are different. Um, there, this is a very resilient lot we have out there. These are very innovative people in agriculture. Uh, we often don't get enough credit for that. So so I don't think we're going back to the 1980s. I, I, and, and I don't think any of my colleagues in the farm credit system uh, would, would say that either. I, I just don't see that happening. Land values remain pretty good. Um, and, and hopefully if we can survive this, really unprecedented interruption in not only agriculture but the world economy then we should get back to some stability uh, so we we're optimistic we you know people still hungry um, there, there's a lesson here for everybody right walk into your grocery store right now and buy a pork tenderloin and and think about what you just spent uh, because the price has gone way up at the same time, that, that producer price is going way down, and so people are getting a firsthand lesson in how the food supply chain works, and it, it comes with an unfortunate price, but maybe folks will start thinking about where their food comes from and what it takes to put it on that table, and I think that's a good lesson for people to think about.
1: What are you wanting farmers and ranchers to know and do going through this? Uh, they're looking at Uh, those lower prices that you talked about for just about every commodity, uh, and some producers faced with, whether it's livestock or milk, having to either destroy animals or dump milk or whatever it may be and faced with these um, just a terrible financial situation right now. When you're losing money on what you're producing for a living, it's a pretty frightening situation. What are you saying to farmers and ranchers to help them through this and how you can help?
4: Well, I think number one, Mike, is stay safe. Um, and I mean that from a number of perspectives, right? I mean, the the the, the virus itself has not hit uh, a lot of our rural communities as far as it has hit some of the more major urban centers out there. Um, and so I, I hope people will stay safe, number one, them and their families. And then, you know, the other side of that, putting the pandemic aside, just the mental stress that a lot of farmers are under. I mean, the emotional stress in the family, uh, all the way down to kids, is, is just rising out there. And, and we hope that people are looking after their neighbors. Uh, we hope that people are sensitive to what's going on out there. But there is there is a lot of stress out there. And, and, and if folks are are feeling that stress, we hope they'll talk to people about it. We've, we hope they'll get some help. Um, we, we don't want to see people struggle in that way. Then, from a from a, a, a less emotional side of it, if you will, um, we 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 have encouraged all of our customers in the farm credit system to talk to farm credit, talk to your loan officer. Let's have conversations about how we can help you. Let's have conversations about um, how we can work together to get you through this period, so that it, you know once this is over, and it will it will be over. Once this is over, we can be very productive again. So I think it's really important to be upfront uh, and, and talking to your own officers, talking to your advisors to try to make a plan to get through this.
1: Are we looking at much higher levels of farm debt?
4: Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I think we are going to see some people adding some debt here. We're already seeing. You think about uh, operating lines, you know, the renewal season for most of agriculture is kind of over now, you know, we're in the back part of it. People largely have their operating lines established. We have seen an uptick in demand for for loans. Um, We are making a a good bit of servicing actions to try to defer some payments, um, re-amortize some loans out longer, and give people some space. So we do think farm debt's going to go up, uh, and, 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 and we'll see. You know, it, It's kind of hard to tell because the, the high-grain marketing session uh, uh, is not in yet. And so people still have a lot of leftover crop from last year, and they're, they're certainly not selling it right now because the prices are so bad. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to find a way to pay some of that debt down by the end of the year.
1: Todd, thank you for being with us. Appreciate your words and perspective. Stay safe, and thank you again. Thanks, Mike. Todd Van Hoos, he's president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. Up next, we look ahead to the Farm Progress Show, still on. We'll talk about it next on AOA. Farmers
2: can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices. But they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence, ingenia herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications and it's straight from the dicamba experts basf so make the confident choice for your
1: soybean crop Talk- Adams on agriculture is brought to you by cenex premium diesel with Sinex premium diesel you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, these days we talk a lot about events that are not going to happen. Happy to now talk about one that is still on schedule, and that is the Farm Progress Show, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa. Joining us now is National Shows Director for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman. Matt, good to talk with you again. Hope you and your family are well. Everything's still on schedule, uh, right?
2: Yeah, good to talk to you, Mike, and I hope the same for you. I hope you and you and everybody you care about is, is safe and healthy. We're, um, yeah, we're in. You know, it, it, these are definitely unique and interesting times, and feeling a lot of phone calls from folks wondering what you know what what's the impact on this going to be for the farm progress sale and Husker Days, and we are learning and, and gleaning as much information from as many sources as we can to to figure out how, how it's you know, it, it's it's certain that it's somehow going to impact the show in terms of how people interact with them with each other when we go back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Um, but just figuring out what that's going to look like at a at a big outdoor trade show is is something that, that that we're trying to figure the best path forward on.
1: Yeah, right now it it, and of course September is a ways off yet. But right now it seems like. You being allowed to have thousands of people in one area—that seems to go against what we're seeing and hearing about right now. Uh, are you concerned that that you're not going to be allowed to have it? And what is your—you have a cutoff point when you'd have to make a decision on uh, whether or not it's going to happen or not?
2: Right. You know, we're we're having a lot of those exact same conversations internally within the company, and we're part of a much bigger trade show company so there are there are companies all around the globe or trade shows all around the globe that um have been impacted by this you know we're starting to see our china shows firing back up with some with some slight differences and changes you know you you it, it it's it's interesting the things that this impacts you know i read a i read a, a, a an article from the wind corporation on how they're going to fire las vegas back up and you know buffets are going to be. Uh, a thing of the past at least for the for the near future you know a a lot of very basic things that you would think of where people are touching the same thing over and over touch screens and and you know restrooms and people crawling into the cabs of tractors and you know how how are we going to to make sure that everybody is safe um at whatever point in the curve we're at you know the the, where we are on these curves that you see is going to impact that but you know part of your question was what are the deadlines, or, or, or when do we have to start making decisions? You know, our exhibitors start to put deposits down on things and, and, and start to spend money out of pocket in in June, in, in mid-June to early July is the kind of the window where if something about this is going to have to change, that's kind of the window where it has to. So we've still got some time, and it depends on whose information you trust, whether we're going to be all clear and back to normal or this thing's going to be dragging on and we're we're just sort of absorbing all the information that we can. But at this point, we're planning on having the event as scheduled. You know, there will probably just be, you know, hopefully there will be just some slight changes to it. Uh, But but we're kind of also working in the background to figure out what's plan B through F if plan A isn't going to work
1: meanwhile uh, planting goes on right while planting goes on planting goes on as well
2: exactly right you know we're especially after a it's nice to have something normal When, when everything is so different and, and, and strange and, and nothing is usual it's really nice to have something normal happen and compared to last spring when we fought on spring and you were right there with us right there sitting next to David Bricks, doing interviews compared to last spring this spring was a was a real dream husker husker harvest field demo corn went in in great shape uh two days before farm progress and uh, between the help from iowa state and john deere brought out a brand new planter and an rx tractor and some tillage tools and they put in all those crops and all those field demo crops in two days um everything, everything went in in great condition. It's just all sitting there waiting on a lane, and I think we're going to get it. So field uh, demos are certainly, you know, we've, we've taken that first big step in making sure we've got great field demonstrations at the show this year, at both shows this year.
1: Yeah, in that way you're way ahead of last year. But I was just thinking every year is a new challenge. And last year you were wondering would you have crops to harvest during the show. Now you're wondering if you'll be able to have the show, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, one year to the next, what happens? Yeah,
2: that that's exactly right. You know, and and I think I think no matter what, I, the, the, what i thought about this thing is no matter what, you know, even even my gosh, even if even if we've got to do something different and we can't have these huge crowds of people, I'm I'm envisioning you know a t- making a TV show out of those field demos because we put so much effort into getting those crops ready to go and um and and figuring out how to get the crop and get all that equipment gathered up it it, we we absolutely can't let that go to waste so we're gonna we're gonna do something out there because it's all set in the ground and, and ready to go
1: i'm all always amazed at the number of people in your circle that you work with to put on the farm progress show that circle's bigger this year more people will be involved in those decisions
2: Yes, that's exactly right. Internally, you know, within our company, because we're such a unique, the, the Farm Progress Show at Husker Harvest is, you know, there are not other trade shows like like them. But they are so very unique in the trade show world. So a lot of internal, you know, a lot of internal people within the company. And then, you know, there's a lot of other stakeholders, you know, in terms of public safety and public health. That, that are going to have a seat at the table when it comes to making sure that this event comes off safely. We, we, you know, when you throw a party, you want your, your first mission is to make sure your guests are safe. And that's, that's our, that's our primary mission on any of these things. And, you know, we've proven that with field demonstrations, this is something completely different, but, um, keeping, keeping our crowd safe is very important.
1: Well, Matt, uh, we'll stay in touch with you so we can keep everybody updated, but, uh, Right now, we're still looking forward to seeing you September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Boone, Iowa for Farm Progress Show. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. All right. Stay safe. Matt Youngman, National Show's Director for Farm Progress, will keep you posted on the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Day is coming up in September as well. Be safe, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA.